Hello and welcome to another episode of the Get Italian Football News podcast. I'm your host, Sam Brooks. Today I'm joined by Francesco Amesbury. How are you doing, Francesco? Buonasera, Sam. I'm well, thank you. It's good to be here. Good to have you on as always. And Jake Smalley, how are you doing, Jake? I'm very well, thank you. Two weeks in a row for me. I'm uh, glad to be back on, as always. Yeah, good to have you on. Um, we're going to get straight to it. I think the game everyone was looking forward to on paper this weekend uh, was Roma-Milan on a Sunday evening. Um, and it didn't really fail to disappoint. Plenty of action. Uh, the main, the thing I want to start on, Francesco, is Zlatan Ibrahimovic getting a goal. Uh, we know he's had his injury problems this season and he had quite a few last season, actually. Um, I think this was his 400th goal in league competitions. Correct me if I'm wrong on that. But... Um, do you, how big a role will he play this season for Milan, do you think? He's now 40 years old, so can he still be a talisman for them, do you think? I think he can. Um, I think that's he's only played five matches this season. That's already his third goal. And it probably, well, I'm pretty certain that it was his best performance of this season so far. I think his style of play doesn't really need him to be particularly quick, although I do think he is in good shape and he seemed to be outpacing Mancini without any problems. And um, so I don't think his age really, really matters that much. I think he he still, I, I, th- I thought he had a great game and because of the way he plays, because of his physical stature, he's still able to influence games in a big way and he still scores loads of goals. I think the concern about Ibrahimovic, certainly last season and this season, was that Milan might have been a bit reliant on him and he's probably not going to be able to play, you know, 30 to 40 games in a season. Um, but they've done a pretty good job of of sorting that out in the summer, I think. I think Giroud has got a similar record to Ibrahimovic this year. He, he started off scoring a few goals. Again, he's not played that many matches. And also, um, you know, Rebic, when both of them have been out, has also been really good in that position. So... I feel like Ibrahimovic is is definitely going to contribute to Milan's season. I'd be surprised if he scores less than 10 goals this season. He's probably going to get, you know, upwards of 15. And um, even in the games when he's not able to play because maybe he doesn't have that fitness to play all his matches, they have alternatives. So, yeah, I'd say things are looking good for Milan. Of course, Giroud got the winner in midweek against Torino as well, didn't he? Um, so, yeah, Milan seem to have a few options up front uh, and a really good week for them. That's now 10 wins out of their first 11 games. I guess the only blot on the copybook for them yesterday, um, we're recording this Monday evening, by the way, guys, um, was Teo Hernandez getting sent off and he'll now miss the Milan derby uh, that's that's coming up, Jake. How big a loss do you think he is? Because he's, he's really sort of crucial particularly actually to Milan's attacking play down that left flank, isn't he? Yeah, definitely. And to be honest, I think if you watched it back, he was stupid to do what he did. Uh, some of the uh, players were complaining at the time, but he almost headed him in the shin. That's so weird rugby tackle. So it was just a bit ridiculous, really. And you watching it back, you saw it on the replay a couple of times, and you could see the moment in his head where he went, why have I just done that? It was just stupid. I mean, he did play against Inter in the reverse fixture last season, and Inter found it a lot easier playing without uh, playing against him. Uh, but but also as well on, on the flip side, he's just recovered from COVID a little bit as well. So you know, he, he might be 
suffer a bit of fatigue uh, in that sense. But in terms of going forward, he, he offers so much for that team. So I, th- I think he will be a massive miss. But having said that, I don't think they've had a full-strength squad all season and they've won 10 out of 11 games. So, you know, I, I was a critic of theirs last season. I was like, yeah, Will's going to fall off. Will's going to fall off. And they, they kind of did towards the end a little bit. And I keep half thinking it will this year, but it, it shows no sign of stopping. You know, you've had periods of absence for a number of the key players. You know, Rebic is out at the minute and not played recently. So it doesn't really matter at the minute. They just seem to be strolling through. And I think Balotore is quite a decent player as well. So, uh He's obviously a bit of a downgrade on Hernandez, but uh, I I think they'll be all right. I I think they go into the weekend as favourites for that game, in my book. And from a Roma perspective, Francesco, obviously a narrow defeat for them. I think we've seen an improvement against the big teams this season, but they still haven't been getting those results in those big games. Um, I know after the game, Mourinho was... Well, he didn't criticise the referees, actually, because he, he said he didn't want to get into trouble, but he clearly wasn't happy. Do you think he had a point in this game? And also, on the whole, do you, are you a bit concerned by the standard of refereeing this season? Because we've seen a lot of managers getting sent off recently, haven't we? Yeah, he criticised them without actually saying anything. I yeah. think he has a point about the penalty incident. Um and I guess one of the things that's causing uh, managers to be annoyed is the um, is that it seems that VAR and the rules aren't being applied in the same way from week to week. So there was quite a lot of conversation. I'm talking about the, the foul by Kier on Pellegrini. Mm-hmm. It's not the worst foul in the world. Um, you know, if it was up to me, those kinds of situations probably wouldn't be penalties, but it's so similar to what happened between Alexandro and um, Denzel Dumfries last week when Juve got a penalty against Inter that you can understand why Mourinho is not happy that it's not given because if anything it's more of a foul than that and so in a way he has a point I think I am concerned about refereeing in Italy it's not necessarily the standard of refereeing I just feel like too many free kicks and penalties are given. If you look at the stats, not just this season, uh, but last season, I think also the season before, since VAR has come in, so many penalties are being given in, in, in Serie A compared to the other kind of big leagues in Europe. And I feel like, as I've said, you know, the foul uh, by, by care for me is not a penalty, but probably should have been based on what we've seen given. Um, you know, the foul last week by uh, Dumfries is probably not a penalty, but it's being given. I also think the foul by um, the, the foul that led to Ibrahimovic's penalty by Ibanez, that, that isn't really a penalty for me. Th- those kinds of contacts shouldn't be penalties. And yet in Serie A, it seems like everything is. And so I feel like the refereeing generally is OK. I think it's fair. You know, these things happen and it's not like they're favouring any teams in particular. But... I feel like too many decisions are being given full stop and it's breaking up the play. And yeah, we're just seeing too many penalties. Yeah, the numbers are quite ridiculous, actually. Um, Yeah, the the stats, uh, as as you say, compared to the other major European leagues, uh, there's there's a big difference. So I don't know if they're going to change that at all. My suspicion is they won't. But uh, but yeah, there there do seem to be too many penalties being given. Um, I want to move on to Juventus and I, I, I'm, I'm interested to get your guys' opinion on this because 
I think last time I had you guys both on, we thought Juventus were sort of turning, uh, were at a bit of a turning point. They started to pick up a few results, but they've just lost two games in four days against Sassuolo and then Verona. So, Jake, I'll come to you first. What what exactly has gone wrong for them? Do you feel that maybe Allegri applying this sort of 4-4-2 formation is a bit outdated? Um, and, and yeah, what, what has happened? It's been a shocker of a week for them. Uh, I think the team's rubbish. I think that's the biggest issue. I think you've got too many players who are spent. I think if you're going back sort of two or three years ago, that's when they've peaked. Um, Rabiot, dreadful. Bentancourt, dreadful. There's some poor players in that team. And I think that's the biggest issue. I think Allegri's built sort of a side and he's come back and a couple of these players are there and three years older and you've had some bad recruitment. I think it's been talked about a lot, but the biggest issue for Juventus is the outlay on Ronaldo and whether it was really worthwhile. And, you know, I think they're missing this year. You know, if you look at games over this past week, you probably would have bailed them out in perhaps in these types of games. Uh, but but if you look at the investment they've made in the squad over the last two or three years, that those central midfield positions are just dire. You know, Artur's not really had any sort of impact since he's come in. He's been injured a lot. You know, it didn't really work out massively at Barcelona either. I mean, I don't think they got too bad of a deal out of that. But if you're looking at their side, I, was, I watched the full game on Saturday and I thought, you know, Verona just looked full of energy in the first half. Second half, they sat back and let Juve have it. And Juve couldn't really create anything. Morata, poor. I mean, I'm absolutely stunned that he still plays for a big club. He's a dreadful player. But if I think as well, he's got to try and find a way where he's getting Chiesa in the team and probably Kulosevsky in the team as well. I think that could be quite a nice way of attacking. Uh, but I just think, even going back to Sarri's reign as manager, I think looking back at that now, and you... You know, you've got to really give it to him in a way. But then there's Ronaldo there as well. It, it's hard to say. I, I just think recruitment-wise, they could just do with a complete refresh to really sort them out. And that might take a couple of years. And I think the manager, keep him in charge. Because I think if they can back him, get him some of the players that he needs, they'll return to the top of the league, that's for sure. Yeah, I, I think that's an interesting point you make about sort of past managers, you know, with Sari and then Pirlo. I think we thought the last season was a bit of a shocker for Juve, but in, in the end, they actually got top four and won the Coppa Italia. So looking at it now, it doesn't look quite as bad. Um, Francesco, I, I, I guess, as you know, Jake said, there's some poor players in that team right now, but there's also some good ones. And, and why is Allegri not getting the most out of, you know, players like Chiesa, who we saw at the Euros in the summer? He's one of the best players in Europe right now. I actually think Juve have lots of strong players. Um, I think they're underperforming. And I think the issue is more the fact that Allegri hasn't been able to find a way of getting his best players in a situation where they feel comfortable and are able to perform. You know, we've all mentioned Chiesa. It is a bit of a travesty that having been one of the best players in the Euros just a few weeks ago, Juve don't even seem to be using him in some games. And you would think that, especially with Ronaldo having left, you would be focusing on getting the best out of, out of your young, strong players like Kiesa, like Kulzewski, who I think were both held back a bit um, because we know that Ronaldo always has to play. Um, so it's more, I, I agree with Jake that if Allegri stays, and I'm sure he will stay because of how much they're paying him and how long his contract is, I think it's it's almost impossible that, that he'll leave, that they'll fire him and he's not going to resign. Um, 
I think he will eventually come good. Um, I guess for them now, it's about finishing in the top four. I think it's yeah that they, they they still have a good chance of doing that and they I, I you know i disagree with jake about the fact that they're, they're full of rubbish players i think they've still got lots of good players and they and they definitely can finish in the top four but allegri does kind of need to make a decision about what kind of formation he's going to play and he also needs to work out a way of getting the best out of players like kiz and dibala um who i think for me are the, are the key to to Juve playing well so, Francesco, I remember asking you after sort of four or five games. So, I'll, I'll ask you again now after 11. Uh, are Juventus officially out of the title race this season? Um, yeah, you, I mean, <laughs> it almost Surely, feels wrong to come say. come on, give me a yes. <laughs> it almost feels wrong to say you were out of the title seat, yeah. uh, title race because they never seem to be. But, um, yeah, it would it would take a miracle now for them to get back into, into that. Yeah, 16 points off top now. I think they'd have to be perfect pretty much, wouldn't they? They'd have to win every game. Um, I think if, if, well, if they won every game, that would get them to 99 points, I think, perhaps, something like that. Um, does it get them to 99? No, not even that. 90-odd points. But So they might do it. But yeah, it, it will take a miracle, as you say. Um, but one of those teams who are 16 points ahead of them uh, is Napoli. They got they got a 1-0 win against Salernitana this weekend. Um Kind of a strange week for Napoli, actually, Jake, because they were really good against Bologna, weren't they? Sort of eased through that game 3-0, and they're not so good here. But we've spoken about it time and again this season. They're winning when they're not at their vintage best, and we saw that again on Sunday. So, you know, how, how impressed are you with Napoli? I think they've underachieved the last couple of seasons. I mean, if you look at the squad, <clears throat> excuse me, like you've got two or three players who can fit in every position. I really like the look of the squad. It's so balanced. Looking at the wide areas, looking in central midfield, I think they've probably, in some ways, got the most complete squad. Maybe not the best quality, 100%. You know, I still think elements of Inter's squad are a little bit better than Napoli's. Not, not for a whole, but they're more balanced. You know, you can interchange players quite easily. And I think <clears throat> the trick will be is if Spalletti can uh, make use of that as the season goes on. I think if you look at the squad, they are going to tire in parts. Uh, if you look at towards January, potentially you might lose a few players for the African Cup of Nations too. That's something that they've got to sort of factor in. But uh, I think Spalletti and Napoli, I, I, I sort of thought this halfway through last year when there were signs of Gattuso maybe going that it's really a perfect fit. Uh, I think even this year, if they fall away a little bit and still finish top four, it's been a season of progress compared to where they were under Gattuso. They're playing better football, they're more exciting to watch. Uh, I think it's only normal they are going to grind out games. They're not going to be perfect every single game. My worry will be is when they lose a game and it's how they respond from that. And they've got a couple of tougher games sort of coming up uh, at the minute. So that'll be a bit of a test for them. And it's whether they want to balance Europe in there as well, because, you know, in my book, if you're in the Europa League, unless you win it, you know, there's not really that much point in, in playing in it if you're a club who's aiming to be a top four side and playing in the Champions League. So that'll be interesting to see. I think at the minute, I have noticed last couple of weeks, other than maybe the Bologna game, they have dropped off a little bit, but it's only to be expected. They're not going to win 3-0, 4-0 every single game like, like they perhaps were doing at the start of the season. I guess similar to Milan, uh, there, there was just one sort of drawback for Napoli this weekend, uh, Francesco, and that was Koulibaly getting sent off. He's been huge for them this season, hasn't he? You know, starting the season so strongly. How big a blow do you think it is that, that he's he's going to be missing from the next game now? 
he has been the best defender in the league, um, I think. So he's obviously going to be missed. But as Jake says, Napoli's squad is is impressive and they have alternatives. I think Manolas is still a, a decent footballer and the way Vakmani's been playing, um, you know, I would expect Napoli, I think he's going to, uh, Koulibaly's going to miss the Verona game, which is a tricky fixture, but at home, I would still expect them to come through that even without Koulibaly. So um, I suppose compared to um, Teo Hernandez, Napoli are just a bit luckier that it's maybe not as big a game coming up when he's not going to be there. Um, but overall, yeah, Koulibaly has been so good for them this season. I think today it's been his best season ever. He's been almost perfect. So, and um, it also feels like that sending off was wasn't very wasn't really necessary. Um, so that makes it worse. But um, but yeah, I still think they'll be okay. And I just want to get a sort of quick verdict from both of you guys. We've seen Milan and Napoli sort of going blow for blow so far this season. They're neck and neck at the top of the table. Um, who are you more convinced by out of the two sides? I, I think on paper, maybe Milan have had the slightly trickier fixtures. But Jake, I'll come to you first. Who are you more convinced by out of that top two? It's really hard to say. I think if you put Napoli up against Milan player for player and you look at it on paper, Napoli have got a better team that's you know, without a doubt. But I think when I'm looking at Milan's team, the mentality that they've got and the way that they've found games pretty straightforward at points. I mean, watching them last night, I mean, I don't think Roma have quite sort of done as what people expected. I think people thought they'd push a little bit under Mourinho, especially after the first few games. But for the vast majority of that game, they didn't even break that much of a sweat. And that's what surprises me. And I was a bit like this watching the start of last season. The, the way they were playing, they were just so in control so full of confidence, just dispatching teams. So it's a really hard call. I think if I look over the course of a full season, you know, I think Spalletti's probably a better manager than Pioli as well, tactically, you could argue too. So I think Pioli's done an amazing job, Milan. You know, I'm not discrediting that for a second, but I think I'd probably say Napoli had convinced me more over the full season. But I think based on what we've seen so far, given that Milan have had a bit of adversity with injuries too, I'd say you probably say Milan have had the better start given the expectations as well. Yeah, I, I, if you had asked me this at the beginning of the season, I'd have said Napoli are a better team. They have a better squad. Um, and I would have said they were probably quite a bit better than Milan. But Milan have been so impressive so far. And I'd probably go as far as saying that I feel they're the best coach team in the league. It feels like everyone really knows what they're doing and um, even when Purely hasn't had his first choice players available the guys that have come in seem to just fit perfectly with the system and know exactly what is needed of them and and so it's not just the first 11 that are performing it's the whole squad that keeps performing week on week um, and I, I'm surprised by how good they've been I, I, I'm a little bit like Jake in that I expected them to fall away last season and they did but the more this season goes on, the more I feel like that is less likely. Um, I think if you push me to say a name, I probably would still go with Napoli. But um, I think it's much closer than, than I expected it to be. Yeah, we'll have to see how those two teams get on. And, and of course, um, 
I think you've already mentioned about the African Cup of Nations, of course, coming up, and Napoli do have, uh, you know, sort of three key players going to that tournament um, off the top of my head. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. I want to move on to Atalanta Lazio. This was this was a Saturday afternoon game, and these games always tend to be great. There's always minimum four goals bit of chaos and we had that again this weekend with a last minute equaliser for Atalanta so uh, Jake I'll come to you on this one Lazio seem to have turned up in the big games this season getting some good results against uh, Roma and Inter and then a draw away at Atalanta and, and very nearly getting the win but is it a bit of a concern for you that they seem to be sort of picking and choosing which games they turn up for because they've also been hammered in a couple of games against lower half opposition I can't really put my finger on it, to be honest with you. I think some of it sort of smacks a bit of maybe they're trying to adapt to Sarri's way of playing a little bit. And I think another side of it as well is, if you look at Lazio's squad, this was something that was mentioned sort of 18 months, two years ago, when they were pushing to actually uh, dethrone Juve a little bit. There's just not a lot of quality throughout it. The squad's built to play that 3-5-2 system that Inzaghi sort of implemented. And even by bringing Pedro in and Felipe Anderson, who were probably really good at, I think, you're still missing a little bit of strength in depth. I, I don't think Sorry makes himself too popular with his players sometimes. I mean, there was a bit of a story ground last week how he apparently allegedly said, jump to get me fired? I mean, I, I don't think that necessarily works the best uh, to say things like that, to be honest. But uh, I, I find them a really strange team to watch. You watch them against Inter and, I mean, there was, there was that really sort of controversial goal which, you know, you can look at both arguments on that. But even during the second half of that game, they press and they look really good. Whereas I watched the week after against Verona, they were terrible. Uh, but, you know, you, you can look at it from both sides. Verona playing excellent at the minute, tough game going away there, it's regardless. So I don't. I, I just find them really strange. I, I caught my finger on them at all. I just keep thinking, oh, they've gone a bit of a run. And, you know, you look at the top sides this year, change manager and, you know, that's have been up the last few years under Zaga. They've won the Coppa Italian, things like that. You must forget about them a little bit. But I, I, I just can't stop my finger on it. Even with Luis Alberto, the situation with him is really strange. He's been one of the best players for Lazio for a couple of years now, probably one of the best players in the league in that position. And he's seemingly a little bit frozen out, having a bit of dispute with the manager. So I think it's possibly down to adapting to Sarri's methods of playing and sort of trying to get used to that that's bringing about these inconsistencies. And, and Francesco, you got something to add? Yeah, I was just on that point about Luis Alberto. I think that is... That is going to be key for Sarri. I think Luis Alberto is so popular with the Lazio fans. He's been so important to them for the last two or three seasons. And one of the things that happened this weekend, after Sarri himself saying that he wasn't sure about playing Milinkovic, Savic and Luis Alberto in the same starting lineup, is they both played against one of the best attacking sides in the league. And it went pretty well. I think the midfield played well with Cataldi in behind them. It, it seemed to work okay. And I think if... With Sarri, you know, the point you make, Sam, about how it takes, it probably will take a bit of time to get used to his style of play because it is a complete change from the way Inzaghi approaches things. But it feels like that is kind of, could be a seminal moment. Getting those two players into the same midfield, um, you know, could really change Lazio's fortunes. I think overall as well, it's it's kind of encouraging that they put in a performance this weekend um, and... and uh, after, after Sarri had some negative, I suppose, quite negative things to say about whether, whether he said it or not, but just the rumours coming out, the fact that Luis Alberto liked a post that was criticising him, it did feel a bit like things might be getting away from him. But the performance and the result this weekend shows that the players are still in it for him. And I think if they 
if he can get them playing the way he wants to, then then Lazio could still have a really good season. I think they're they're only a point off the Champions League places, or they're still well within reach. So I I, I feel like it was a very positive performance and result for them. And overall, I feel much better about Lazio now than I did kind of a couple of weeks ago, especially after that, you know, the, the Bologna and Verona results. And interestingly, you mentioned Danilo Cataldi there as well. It seems that perhaps maybe he's starting to really push Lucas Labour for the first time for that sort of holding midfield role. Um, from an Atalanta perspective, Jake, I think they've only had one home win all season and it's a strange one because they're a really well-backed team, aren't you? And you, you can really feel the sort of atmosphere through the TV when they're playing in Bergamo. Um, but it's not happening for them, particularly at home. Can, can you put your finger on why that might be? Well, they're annoying me a little bit at the moment because I, I tipped them to really push on and never got the title this year. I think the squad play looks more balanced than it has ever looked. Uh, but I'm I'm starting to worry a bit as if they've peaked. Uh, I think we mentioned this a few weeks ago on the podcast about the fact that they've moved a little bit from Ilicic and Gomez, um, you know, feeding Zapata and things like that. You know, they've got more uh, options in those areas. Now, I think a key will be to get Luis Muriel back playing. I think if you look at the season last year, it was better when they had him and Zapata both out at the same time. But and I think it's really strange that they just seem to start seasons really slowly. I don't know if it's Gasparini just beast them in pre-season and they just knack it when the season starts. So I, I, I can't really put my finger on it. I, I, I find it really strange because I look at some of the some recruitments they brought in. Zappa Costa, Coop Manners, I think is a brilliant player. Demi Rao, you know, he's doing a bit of a knock at the minute. Musso in goal. I think they, they look stronger this year on paper than what they've done at any point. You know, like we've been saying about Napoli, you can pick two or three players in each position. But, you know, Golden is a bit of a miss as well at the moment. He was vital last year, probably the best left-sided fullback in Europe, you could argue. So it's a little bit strange to sort of put my finger on, really. I, I can't really sort of uh, stick my neck out, really, and say why. It's, it, I'm just waiting for it to click, to be honest. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm sort of expecting them to go on one of those runs from January onwards, which they seem to always do. But it seems that they're leaving themselves way too much to do in terms of mounting a title challenge. Um, Jake, I'm going to stay with you actually uh, briefly because because we got into to talk about next. Uh, and they got a 2-0 win against Udinese on the weekend. Uh, Joaquin Correa got both goals. And he's sort of been a bit of a peripheral figure at times since his move from Lazio with, you know, Dzeko and Lautaro Martinez getting the headlines a bit more. What, what have you made of him at Inter so far? And, and, and do you think he's got a sort of, you know, big role to play at Inter for the rest of the season? I found it a bit of a strange signing, to be honest with you. Uh, I think I, I quite like Correa as a player. I think he's, he offers a bit of creativity, but it's just how consistent he can be. And I watched the first 60 minutes yesterday and I thought I'd take Dumfries off, I'd take Correa off. I'd probably even rest Jekyll maybe at this point. And I was looking thinking, these are all players that signed in the summer. Uh, and then suddenly Correa picks up the ball, runs past a few people and scores. And it's just really strange. It's I think... If you look at his career stats, he's never got into double-figure goals or double-figure assists either. So it's getting regular output for him that is obviously the issue. There's talent there. There's a lot of quality there and some ability. You know, his first goal yesterday was pretty fantastic. His finish was great. He carried the ball really well. Uh, so there's no question his ability. I think he is a good player. But I think if into a really sort of serious about making sure on that sort of, you know, trying to retain the title... 
I'd have expected him to go for somebody else a bit more reliable. I think that's that's my only issue with him. I think there's some quality there. You saw that on his debut, he came on and won them the game. And ultimately, yesterday, he did win them the game because they huffed and puffed the large spells of that match too. So I think as the season goes on, only when will we find what sort of player he is for Inter because as well, he's a player who's played out wide. He's played almost as like a number 10, but he's going to play as a striker for Inter. So we might see him break that double figure sort of barrier as well. Also, he has spent a bit of time out injured too. You know, that there's, there's that. He's struggled for fitness. He's been on a few international breaks. So I think maybe in five or six games time, we might have a truer picture what he can really bring to Inter. But I suppose if you look at it in other ways, four goals in seven games isn't too bad. You know, over a season, you're looking at 15 goals there. I think when Inter signed him, if they would have expected that output, they'd have been pretty happy. Yeah, certainly a couple of well-taken goals yesterday after after a bit of a quiet first hour for him. Um on, on the whole, Francesco, we've seen Inter are currently third and quite comfortably third, actually. They've got a five-point gap to fourth, but equally they're seven points behind the top two. Do you see them possibly closing that gap and making it sort of a three-horse title race? Because that, that's what it's looking like at the moment. Or do you think it's probably going to be out of Napoli and Milan this season? I think Inter is still with a chance. Um, I actually feel like... This is the most settled they've been all season. Um, I think it's the first time they've had back-to-back clean sheets. Um, and that comes after the game against Juve, where they they also almost got a clean sheet. And, and they're, they're, they've stopped giving lots of chances away as well. They're, they're hardly conceding goal-scoring opportunities, certainly in the last three games. And they're still, but they're still a threat going forwards. And it's kind of a paradox, really, because I, I've got a feeling they might actually be doing better uh, than they were at this stage last season. And if you consider everything, they're the top scorers in the league. I think they might still be the top scorers in, in the top five European leagues. They've started defending well. All of the new um, uh, transfers have started to bed in now. Uh, Zico's one of the top scorers. Um, I feel like Chananoglu's had a couple of better games recently. Denzel Dufri's got an assist on the weekend. Um, Brozovic and Barella still playing as well as they've ever played. It feels like Inter are playing really well and they're scoring loads of goals. They've started to defend properly. So it all feels really good. But there's the paradox that even with all of that, they find themselves seven points behind. I think Jake mentioned that he possibly thought that they might even have the best squad in, in the league or, or close to at least. Um, and I, I kind of agree with that. I think if the league was starting tomorrow... I would make Inter my favourites, even even after what we've seen from Napoli and Milan. But they do have those seven points to make up. And, you know, they've got a big game coming up at the weekend against Milan. Because Milan are seven points ahead, it really, I think it takes a lot of pressure off them because Inter could find themselves kind of 10 points off the league after Sunday. Whereas Milan, the worst thing that's going to happen is they're going to be three points off of Napoli and, and four points ahead of Inter still. So it, it really changes the whole way that both of these sides can approach that match. And also after that, they've got, I think, in the not-too-distant future, a game against Napoli as well. So I still think Inter have got a chance of winning the league, but they have got some huge games coming up where they are going to be under a lot of pressure to, to get results. Yeah, you look at their first 11 games, they've had seven wins, three draws and just one defeat. And you, you'd usually take that. But as you say, that top two has been almost perfect. And, and that's what's hurting them at the moment. Um, we're now going to move on to a couple of sort of mid-table sides that played each other this weekend. That was Sassuolo Empoli. 
Sassuolo coming off the back of a win against Juventus, Jake, and I think most people expected them to get another win here, but, but Empoli won 2-1. I know that you're quite high on Sassuolo, but how can you sort of explain them going from beating Juventus away from home to losing, Emp- to losing to Empoli at home? I don't know. I, I found it really bizarre. I, I thought they were fantastic during the midweek. I think uh, the balance of the team, I think when they get it right, the balance of that squad, that's that's what really makes me sort of get behind them. Look at the midfield, the wide options that they've got. They, they look really good, but sometimes they, they, they tend to have these sort of performances where they, they seem to switch off for 10 minutes or so in a game. And I think they really, they really did that this weekend. But I think you've got to give credit to Empoli as well, to be honest with you. I think, you know, we, we talked about them a little bit. They've come up and they've been a real breath of fresh air, to be honest, since they've uh, made their way into the league. They play some really nice, expansive attacking football. And I think, especially over the last couple of years, you can notice a little bit of a, guilt, a gulf sometimes. Sorry, between B and A, you've got Salonitana come up this year and they've been really poor. You know, Crotone last year, Benevento ended up falling away massively. So I think they're a really refreshing side. You've also got to put into account, you know, it's their former manager that's left to go to Sassuolo as well. That's something you can throw into the mix too. Perhaps they'll be more motivated to win in that aspect. But I didn't expect Sassuolo to win. You know, at Juve, I expect them to beat Empoli. And, you know, we probably wouldn't have been talking about this if they'd have lost at Juve and beat Empoli, because that's what we would have expected, wouldn't we? So uh, I think if they can just be a bit more consistent over 90 minutes, get Jeremy Boga back as well, that'd be really important. Get him back firing. Against Inter, he was fantastic. So if he can get back firing and they can hit a bit of a run, I think we can see them push up a little bit. I think for Empoli, Francesco, it will probably be fair to say they've been the surprise package of the season so far. Um, but what we did see last season how Benevento looked really good up until Christmas and then fell off a cliff, as, as Jake mentioned. Um, are you, you know, sort of more confident they'll be able to keep going this season and, and avoid relegation quite comfortably? Or could you see them perhaps getting dragged back in later on in the year? I, I think they deserve a lot of credit for how they've started the season. And I thought they were really good against Sassuolo. Probably just about deserved to win that game. Um, o- over the course of the season, I, I probably do expect them to... Well, I'd be surprised if they carried on at this pace. Um, but I do think there are probably five or six teams who are definitely worse than them. And so I think they, they're going to be okay. I think they're going to be fine. Um, I, I still probably think they'll finish in the bottom half, not in the top half. Um, a tenth at the moment, but um, but yeah, I don't think they'll go down. Well, I want to move on to Torino Sampdoria now because there there was an interesting thing to come out of this game. Um, Torino got a three 0 win, Jake, and they seem to be flying. But I want to focus more on Sampdoria actually because they're, they're struggling quite a bit under Diversa at the moment. Um, he substituted Askildson after twelve minutes on the weekend, and uh, in his post match press conference, he was asked why, and he said he's lucky that I didn't bump him. Um, he's he's now gone and taken the Sampdoria players on a retreat going into this week. It, does it seem like the writing's on the wall a bit for Diversa at, at Sampdoria because they've had a couple of quite poor defeats the past week? I haven't read that yet, so that's, that's made me laugh a little bit. That. I mean, I, I don't think he'll be showing Rui in this week, will he? Uh, but no, I, I, I find it pretty strange looking at, uh, at their side. I think you've got to put it into perspective a little bit. A couple of seasons ago, they started so poorly uh, under Francesco. I mean, it's been proven his, his two his jobs that he's a pretty poor manager, Di Francesco. But 
you know, Ranyo is probably overachieved a little bit with his team. A, a, a lack of good recruitment's letting them down. Also, they've had some pretty tough fixtures to start off the season. They played Milan, they played Inter, they played Napoli. So they've had some really tough games, but I think this is make or break for Diversa. I don't think he was a massively popular choice either. You know, a bit underwhelming. He took Palmer down last year. Uh, I think the issue with sort of mid-table sides in Syria is you've got this little weird managerial merry-go-round that they all sort of pass around, Davide Nicola and Rolando Moran and all these types of managers. So, it, you know, it might be one of them next, so they might not be any better off. They could do with Ranieri back, really, but it, it's it, they need someone who's just going to get a bit more out of that squad, and it's it's hard to say who that might is. I, I don't totally blame Diverse. I think he's been left a bit of a damp squad. I, uh, I shivers sent down my spine then when you mentioned Rolando Moran. I, I, I don't want to see him back after some of the. He will pop up at some point. I'm, I'm sure he will. Oh no, no, I, I agree with you. <laughs> I'm just hoping it's not yet. And actually, Francesco, I was going to ask because the writing does seem to be a bit on the wall for Diversa. I've seen a few names mentioned. Uh, Beppe Iacchini's mentioned as a possible replacement. Are there any names that spring to mind for you that you think, oh, I, I think they could maybe do a decent job at Sampdoria? I mean, if it was up to me, I, I wouldn't change. I think Samp have actually, in terms of their play, have been okay this season. Um, Jake's mentioned they've had a tricky set of fixtures and I don't think they're really in danger of going down. Um, and I, I do think there's a chance they could actually push on a bit. Um, so I wouldn't change, especially for the kind of names that, that we've mentioned. If I had to change, um, I, what I'd really like to see them do is, is get a kind of a young, more interesting manager, more creative manager. One of the names that was linked to, to Genoa actually not long ago was Pirlo. I mean, I don't know if Pirlo would go for somewhere like Samp, but I think that would be an interesting and possibly very positive appointment. And if you're going the other way where you just want se- uh, safety, I, I go for Kayeri's old manager, I go for Semplici. I think he did a good job with Kayeri and uh, he was unlucky to get fired, in my opinion. And, you know, they've been rubbish since he left. So, yeah, they'd be the two. And from a Torino perspective, Francesco, um, obviously they pushed Milan quite close last week and then a, a convincing win against Sampdoria this weekend. So so what do you make of how they're progressing? I think Torino deserve lots of credit for how they've started the season. I think they've had a really tough fixture list. Um, and if you look recently, they lost against Napoli 1-0 in a game in which they played really well. The same thing happened against Juve. The same thing happened against Milan last week all games in which they had a real chance of taking something away from and, and lost narrowly. Um, this weekend, you know, a big win over Samp. And they're actually in mid-table. I think they're only five points off a Champions League place, actually. They're not far behind. And their fixture list in the next few games is, you know, I think they play Empoli, um, Bologna, uh, Roma, Udinese, so some really Cagliari, so some really winnable games in kind of the next five or six fixtures. So I know that you asked us last week uh, if there was kind of an outsider that we fancied breaking into the European places, and Jake went for Sassuolo, I went for Fiorentina. But I definitely think that Torino are are another team that we should be keeping an eye on. I think um, that they the new manager has done such a good job with them. Uh, they look really solid. And also the fact that Bellotti's back and, you know, he came off the bench and scored this weekend. I think 
if he starts to play like he can, uh, that can make a big difference. So yeah, I fully expect them to climb the league in the next uh, in the next few games, and I, I think they have a, a real chance of getting into Europe this season. You're right, just five points outside the top four, only a point behind Juventus as well, of course. So uh, things really on the up for Torino. Um, I want to move on to another 3-0 game from this weekend, Jake, and that was Fiorentina easing past Spezia. Um, this game, the, the clearly the most noticeable thing was Vlahovic getting a hat-trick. Um, he's had quite a slow start to the season, actually, and I think you know perhaps that's to do with his contract situation at Fiorentina. But was this sort of the first clear sign that he's getting past that issue and getting back towards the form that we saw from him last season when he made a huge breakthrough? I think so. I think as well, you've got to remember, he's, he's still very young as well. I, I think it was only sort of midway through last year where he really hit the straps as well. And, you know, I don't want to be sort of pessimistic, but also you can look at it, his goal tie last year was inflated quite a lot by a lot of penalties. And that's not to discredit Vlavic. I think he's a fantastic player. And I think in four or five years, he could be a truly frightening striker. You know, he's big, he's tall, he's strong, and he's fast as well. He's a perfect modern-day striker. And I think, give it four or five years' time, I think he'll be playing for Bayern Munich, Chelsea, Man United, Man City, top, top club, uh, who pay sort of good money. I think he will. I mean, I'd like him to stay in Italy. I think it'd be good for him to play for a Juve or Inter. Uh, you know, that'd be, that'd be a good opportunity for him too. I think he's come out and he's been pretty fair in what he's said. I think he sees it as an opportunity for him to move on. I think in the summer probably would be the right time for him to move on. He's probably proven himself and could get a really good move. But I don't think there's any sign that he's going to down tools or anything like that. The manner of his goals at the weekend was quite telling. His free kick was fantastic. So I, I, I'm really pleased for Fiorentina. I, I already want them to sort of push on. But it's just this weird situation where they win one and they lose one. I mean, they've not even drawn a game yet this season. So it's just which side they'll go. And I think there's enough quality in there that should see them push up the table. And I'm a big fan of the manager too. I think he's uh, he's someone who's one of the better tacticians in that league. So although they were playing Spezia, they were really poor. You know, that's, that's worth mentioning too. Yeah, I don't know if Fernandina have kind of taken a leaf out of Milan's book for dealing with this kind of situation. Um, I think maybe increasingly in Serie A, well, I, I guess across Europe, there's a realisation that sometimes if a player wants to leave and they know that they can get more money elsewhere from one of the kind of European super clubs, there's not really anything you can do about it. And I remember when Comisso and Fiorentina came out with that statement saying that Blauvic wasn't going to sign a new contract two years before he was due to, his contract was due to end. I, we were surprised, but I think I was also a little bit critical. I didn't see the point of it, but maybe it's actually helped because it kind of, it just it just makes it clear for everyone. This guy is almost certainly going to leave in a year and a half, but until then, he's going to be part of our project. And you could see the way Vlaovic celebrated with um, Italiano uh, when he scored. You know, he's he's definitely trying as hard as for Fiorentina right now, and that is the main thing. So I feel like Fiorentina have actually done a, a good job dealing with this and hopefully can help them maybe, you know, even qualify for certainly Europe, but possibly, you know, an outside chance of the Champions League. And then with a little bit more money, who knows what could happen. So, yeah, I think they deserve credit for how they've sorted this out. 
And then the final game I want to touch on, um, because obviously Cagliari play Bologna uh, tonight as we speak, so we're not going to be able to talk about that one. But uh, Genoa and Venezia played each other this weekend, Jake, and it ended nil-nil. Two sides just outside the relegation zone as we speak. It, it seems they're probably going to be involved in the relegation battle this season. Um, is, is there a side that you're out of those two that you're perhaps more confident will stay up or, or more confident will go down, perhaps? I think uh, General Stale, because I think they'll sack Ballardini, they'll get somebody else in for a bit, and they'll bring him back and he'll keep them up. Uh, if anything uh, in previous seasons is to go by, so that's that could potentially happen. But uh, it's, it's hard to call. I think, generally, if you look at the squad on paper, they're, they're a better side than Venezia, I think. Some of the players they've got are better. Uh, I think their issue is they just keep drawing silly games at the minute. Uh, I, I love Venezia. I mean, as a as a hipster sort of sort of kind of club, you know, the stadium's amazing, the kits and whatever. I'd love to see them stay in the top flight, but I just look at the squad. Lack of top flight experience is really going to cost them. I think General also might be a bit braver. They'll chop managers. They'll bring players in in January too. So I think if I've got to pick one or the other, I think Venezia are more likely to go down. Yeah, fair enough. You made you made some good points there for sure. Um, we're going to move on to the midweek games because, of course, we've got uh, European fixtures coming up this midweek. And I'll come to you first, Francesco. On 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 Tuesday, we've got Atalanta uh, taking on Man United in a reverse of of their classic from a couple of weeks back, and Juventus at home to Zenit. So, firstly, looking at Atalanta, do you give them a decent chance of of of, of uh, sort of getting revenge against United, who obviously got a good week win on the weekend against Spurs. Um, and then on to Juve, they've had three wins out of three. Might Allegri be a bit tempted to rotate his squad a bit, thinking we're pretty much through so that he can start to focus on the league more? Atalanta have a real chance against Manchester United. Um, I'm actually probably one of the few people who thought they weren't that good in the first game. I know they went two goals up, but um, I feel like they were a bit timid and they could have possibly done more when they were on top. Um, and, it, uh, you know, it, it, they still don't feel like the normal Atalanta that we're used to seeing where they just go for it, basically. Um, I think they have been affected by injuries, possibly more so than any other team in Serie A. Uh, not, not in terms of the number, but in terms of when players are missing, they, it seems to affect them more than it has, say, Milan, for example. And one of the big pluses for them, uh, potentially, I know that Gasperini's come out and said that he's going to have a few players back for this game, especially in defence. So if that frees the Rhone up to go back into midfield, I think that could be a, that could make a big difference for them and, uh, you know, possibly add a little bit of dynam dynamism. So, you know, I think, Manchester United are, uh, are an extremely dangerous team. They have so many good players. Um, it did feel like a couple of weeks ago they were there for the taking. I know they've had a good result this weekend. It still doesn't feel like they're playing brilliantly. So I do think Atalanta have a, have a good chance. And, and then, with, then with Juventus at home to Zenit, do you, do you think they should get the win there and, and that would pretty much secure their qualification? I think uh, a point would be enough for them. Uh, actually to qualify and I definitely think they should be trying to sew things up so they can focus on the league a bit because uh, they really need to um, they, sh they should be able to I, I, I think Zenica, Zenita are an okay side but um, but not great 
Yeah, I'm, I'm intrigued to see the Atalanta United game in particular, whether you know United's win on the weekend was a bit of a turning point or just a false dawn for them. And, and with Atalanta, it feels like maybe one big win could spark them into life. So let, let's see how that one plays out on Tuesday. And then on to Wednesday, Jake, we've got uh, Inter, of course, away at Sheriff. They got the win in the last uh, game at home. And, and Milan at home to Porto. Um, from, from an Inter perspective, I guess this is another must-win game for them if they really want to get in that top two. And, and then from a Milan perspective... It looks like the top two is getting away from them. Do you think they should be looking to get into that third spot to get Europa League qualification? Or, or might it actually be better for them to finish bottom so that they can go all in for the Scudetto in the second half of the season? Uh, I think if we look at what Inter did last year, without them having any Champions League disruption, it definitely helped. But I think you could look at this in two different ways. I think if, if you're not going to get further in Europe... It, you probably are better off finishing fourth. I don't think it's as much a burden as what people think it is. I think it's more psychological because even if you actually do get to the Wolves the final, for example, you know, uh, you're still only playing sort of what six more games max. You know, in England, you know, teams play more more games in the cup competition things like that. Anyway, you know, you look at the top sides in Italy; they're basically given a bye to be in the quarterfinals of the Coppa Italia. Anyway, so. I think you can look at that in two ways. I think if I was Milan, I probably would sack it off and I'd just try and finish fourth and just get it out of the way with because I don't think there's any benefit in them playing in the Europa League. And I think in terms of Inter, Inter's uh, season, this month is absolutely vital for them. You know, they play Milan in the derby at the weekend. If they don't beat Sheriff, you know, they're, they're really going to struggle. If they were to lose, they'd be as good as out. You know, even beating Sheriff last time, they're still two points behind them. You've got Real Madrid in that group as well. So they, they play Shakhtar, Sheriff, Napoli and Milan in the next four games. So, you know, we, we'll know a lot more about their season uh, in sort of a month's time. It's simply must win. Yeah, this is where it's often gone wrong for into the last couple of seasons. You know, the, these final two or three games in the Champions League group stage. So we're, we're going to have to see if they can finally get over the line this time. Um, but moving on to Thursday night, Francesco, uh, we've got Leisure Warsaw against Napoli. Um, how, how do you see that one playing out? I know you said that you really want to see Napoli give this competition a go. Um this is a game that you expect them to come through fairly comfortably if, if they're anywhere near their best? If they're anywhere near them, their best, then yes. Um, the concern is that, you know, understandably, there probably will be a little bit of focus on on the league because of how well they're doing, what an opportunity they have to to win the Scudetto this season. But having said that, you know, they, they did rest a few players against Salernitana. I think some of them were precautionary, so... I don't know if that means that they'll also miss midweek or if they might play because they were rested. So, and and I think Spalletti has genuinely tried to win matches in Europe this season. He he seems like he's invested in it. Um, and uh, I'm with Jake, uh, you know, in a big way. I I don't think the Europa League is a big distraction unless you make it one. I think six more games, you know, if you, if you get out of the group, six more games from now until from Christmas onwards is, is not a big deal. And it can it can change kind of your season as well next year because it means you'd be a top seed in the Champions League if you were able to win it. You know, it can make a real big difference to clubs doing well in this competition. We've seen it in the past with teams like Atletico Madrid, with teams like Sevilla, who 
end up being seeded in Champions League uh, groups and then progressing in that competition. So I definitely think it's a it's a competition they should be trying their best in. And um, I, I think they have everything they need to beat Ledger Warsaw. They they probably do need a result because um, it's quite a quite a tight group, that one. Yeah, it has been so far. Obviously, Napoli didn't get any wins in their first couple of games. Um, Jake, uh, we also have Lazio away at Marseille. This looks like a trickier game on paper than than the one that uh, Napoli face. It, it's a bit in the balance at the moment as to whether Lazio are going to go through. Do, do you think that Sari wants? You said before you sort of think he maybe wants to go out. Is is that how you still feel? Um, given that he, he doesn't seem to like playing three games in a week. Perhaps, I think, as well, if you look at the group that they're in, they're in a really horrible group. Uh, and I look at the Europa League at the start of this year. If you look at some of the teams that are in that, I mean, everybody sort of slags off the Europa League a little bit, but there's some really good teams in that this year, some proper big clubs and some really feisty games. Uh, I think there have been some really good games in that competition this year. Uh, so I think... That'll be a really tricky match for them. Marseille, however, aren't massively consistent. You know, they've got a fantastic manager, uh, but they really can't strive for ultimate consistency. I, I look at the squad; they've got some really good players in there, uh, and obviously with San Paoli in there, it's, it's a decent match. But they don't seem to quite uh, sort of kick on. I won't be shocked to see Lazio go there and win. It really wouldn't surprise me at all. But I, I do think if you know you offered sorry top four or a good Europa League run and finish sixth, they'd pick top four all day long. And then the final one that we have to touch on, of course, is the Europa Conference League. Francesco is Roma playing Bodo Glimt. We we know what happened a couple of weeks ago with that six-one result. Um, you know, do you expect them to get revenge this time? Was that just a freak result, or you know, have they found their bogey team? I I don't know. What what do you make of how this game could possibly play out? To me, it feels like um, they. They kind of, I don't know why it feels like this because it feels a bit unfair considering they are in the top four in Italy and, um, you know, they're still on course to get out of that group without too much problem. But it feels like Mourinho almost needs a result. And I think the fact that they got such a hammering in the first game kind of adds to that. Um, but yeah, I do expect them to win. I, I, I think Bodo Glimp showed that they are definitely a good side but but Roma are also a good side and and I feel like that first leg uh, not first leg the, the first game was just a freak uh, a freak game yeah certainly going to be an interesting midweek and then of course on the weekend we got the Milan derby so so plenty of stuff to look forward to over the next week and and I look forward to discussing it with you guys then uh, thanks for joining me as always and thank you to the listeners for for tuning in and we'll catch you again soon goodbye <laughs>